Welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that is not about perfection. It is about being purposeful to be joyful and fulfilled as God intended. I know we've had some new listeners and I welcome each and every one of you. I really appreciate the time that you take to listen in and hear what God has been doing um, and wanting me to share with you. I always encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes because there is just so much that God has revealed through this podcast. And as I tend to say, this is an act of obedience. It's what I felt really, really, really led to do, even when sometimes I don't understand why. But I have seen the results of things in my own life and what he's trying to show me. And I feel very led on certain subjects and so forth to share those things with you. Not everything, but a lot of things. So if you're returning, we again appreciate you coming. Um, and I encourage you to like and subscribe so that we can continue to grow this into a positive community that helps each other. There's so much to be said for community. And I welcome you to be a part of that. So today... We are still in the, basically what I'm calling a series of what the Bible says versus what the world says. And today we're going to basically talk about fast and slow. And I know that we do have listeners from other countries. So to be honest, some of this may sound a little foreign to you, but I'm just going to share it from my own perspective and hopefully enough will resonate with you if some of it just doesn't make sense to you because I know particularly living where in America, uh, in the United States of America, we, we really live a very fast paced life in general. And, you know, the term rat race is used a lot. Uh, so if any of these things resonate with you, I'm specifically talking to you. If your morning looks something like this, you, your alarm goes off, you rush to get up, you rush to get out the door, sometimes, you know, getting kids and lunches packed and um, letting, you know, letting the dog out or whatever, rush to get stuff done at work, you eat lunch at your desk, then you rush to pick up kids or rush to soccer practice afterwards, you end up in the fast food line for dinner, rush to get homework done, rush to get kids to bed, rush to get a few things done, and then crash, cramming in at least a little bit of sleep. So if any of that sounds familiar, I am probably speaking to you. Um, and honestly, I'm really, truly speaking to myself. I've definitely gone in different phases of my life, but I'm just going to be really honest with myself and you. I am a naturally fast paced person. I have been told that many times. The fact that I can speak on a podcast and you understand me just shows a lot of growth because I have been told I used to talk extremely fast. I've worked very hard on slowing that down over the years. So I'm sure every once in a while I get excited and I catch myself, particularly when we have guests on the podcast that I tend to get a little bit more rushed in my speech, but I am somebody who 
I don't like taking breaks when I am working on a project or just working in general. I don't care if it's cleaning the house. I don't care if it's some of the things we were doing when we were building our house. I hate taking a break in the middle. I like to be done with it. I do not like to sit still. Um, if I'm watching a movie, I'm doing something with my hands. I guarantee it. And my family friends is like, mom, pay attention to the movie. Uh, but I just don't feel comfortable when I am just sitting. It is a problem, <laughs> to be honest. Um, in my family, my general family tends to move at a much slower pace. Me being a hurried person isn't necessarily what I, I guess, grew up with. Maybe it was in spite of that. I don't, I don't really know. I just move very fast. I am naturally a multitasker, getting a lot of things done. But what I have found myself, because probably that did become the source of pride to be able to get a lot of stuff done and being really dependable and 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 just someone who you could count on, I guess. Um, I I have multiple times ended up at places in my life where I've taken on way too much. Even when I wasn't working, um, I was a stay-at-home mom, and then I ended up being asked to lead the Awana group for the kids, which was a big passion of mine. However, then I got wrapped into also teaching Sunday school Still would have been okay, except for I was basically having to like redo the curriculum and just kept being like one more thing, one more thing. And I was like, I feel like I don't have time to breathe. And so right about that time was when I was ended up going back to work because of the the shifts in my husband's job. And I was just going to take a part-time job, but that took another hit and I was like, I just, I need space. I need space bad and I can't breathe. And so I had to like break down a lot of those things um, and, and just say, you know, I can't do this. And, and I had to fight a little bit hard for that. Although I had to kind of keep the job. And so what ended up happening, thank goodness it happened, I guess, when it did. Because my kids, I was watching very quickly. They were at that point where you suddenly realize like, oh my gosh, we've got five years left, four years left. Like you're watching it tick very quickly. We're still a little bit in that phase. Um, my daughter will graduate this year and my son will graduate the next year. And so time has been, you know, <laughs> I feel like their whole lives have been a whirlwind a little bit. And some of that is nothing to do with me. And I, I've been always very careful about, they can't have a lot of extracurricular activities. It's like pick one thing in general and let that be it. And even then sometimes like, like we've, we did baseball and I was like, Nope, this is not the lifestyle for me. It is exhausting. And, um, well, we did that again when they were really young and they weren't even that into it. They were worn out too. They wanted that space. So, you know, we, we've gone in phases where we have fought for times, but when I worked for the post office, that was the job that I took initially as a part-time job. The thing was, is like, it's a part-time job and you're only getting like 25 hours ish a week, but you're working six days a week. And so that was kind of a big impact. But so I was fighting pretty hard to get like weekends, which means you have to keep moving up. You have to keep being a supervisor, you know, I'm a go-getter. So of course it wasn't real hard for them to relinquish responsibility. And 
you know, everyone saw so much promise in my abilities and, and so forth. That's fantastic. Except for it just kept becoming more and more and more. And, you know, I'm being told, you know, I'm one step away from being a postmaster and I just kind of wake up and I'm like, suddenly I am working seriously seven days a week. I am there at 5 a.m. I am not even leaving most days at 5 p.m. I'm supposed to be leaving, of course, much sooner. It just gets worse and worse and worse, adding more and more and more to my plate. The harder I fought for it, just seemed like the harder, like, <laughs> they fought just, just dump more stuff. I literally would get pretty feisty towards the end because I knew I was worn out. I was trying to create those boundaries, and I was just like, if you want me to take this on, then all these things are going to drop because I cannot do it all, you know? And so, um, and then finally one day I was like, I've had it. This is not going to change. I don't think that I'm ever going to escape this here. And this is not the quality of life that I want, whether it's a good pay and good benefits or not. And I have this quote unquote promising career. It, this is just, it's not worth a sacrifice because at, at minimum, I would, I'm pretty sure that I would have at least still stayed at that pace for the entire time my kids were still in the house at minimum. And so I left and went to a different place. And at first it was great. And then when COVID happened, the shift happened overnight almost. I just got slammed. I was, you know, kind of um, working in a trucking company. And this trucking company... Um, had to shift drivers around for like what was like to accommodate for that. Some factories were shut down, but then there was other needs because we had, we had, you know, people who <laughs> shipped toilet paper even and, and some of the, and, and medical supplies. And so, but they all, sh all these truck drivers suddenly shifted to partly on, on my shoulders. And I'm like, I don't have, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough help. And it was all on me. And yeah, I could have just let balls drop. The problem is, and the same thing with the, the post office, was it letting balls drop tend to mean that you were affecting someone else's life as well. Granted, that isn't all my responsibility. But the thought of telling someone else that they aren't going to make it home or they're stuck up somewhere for a weekend because I failed to, you know, get a drop-off appointment or something like that, it's just not okay with me. And... I bagged and bagged and bagged for additional help. I did not really get it. And one day I was like, enough is enough. I told my husband, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I've been wanting to start a business for a long time. I knew exactly what I was going to do finally. Yeah, I mean, that was completely God led and, and got shoved and pushed. But I, I was, I stepped away. And um, I mean, both times that leaving the post office and the other job, um, someone very high up tried to talk me out of it. And, um, having made those hard calls and, um, and fighting so hard for that piece, it definitely makes me keep that. Like a lot of entrepreneurs just come, get completely consumed. I still have a decent amount of responsibility, but I set pretty strong boundaries on, like my work time and schedule, it gets a little crazy because of two bookkeeping. I, it gets a little crazy, maybe um, close to tax time, but I don't do taxes exactly for that reason because I, it will be right back in that same boat and I refuse to do it. So 
I, I'm still not saying I have perfected it, but I definitely at least am super aware of how quickly you can slip into a place of just absolute unrest, you know, and the funny thing is, is every time, you know, sacrificing income, like I was, I got to the point where pretty quick I was making really, really good income with the post office, you know, and they're like, you'll never make this much money. I'm like, not most important thing. It'll be okay. You don't know me. I'll be fine. So, and then, you know, took a pay cut to work at the second job and then left to be completely dependent on my own salary. Well, and my husband's, luckily my husband makes pretty good salary, but every time above and beyond, God just covered and covered and covered and covered our, our finances. And you know, I just had to let go of that control and that it didn't all fall on me was a lot of it. But if you really look at the world, I mean, like I said, it's every time, you know, someone's trying to talk me out of it, like, what are you doing? You're making a huge mistake. But there's a big push to be super productive, to get a lot done, to have your kids and all these things. Well, your kids aren't, you know, doing this and your kids aren't doing that. And how are they not learning piano while playing baseball and having straight A's and part of student government and all these things? And, you know, I'm always kind of even pushing my, I don't really have to push my son to slow down. I'll have to say that he, he definitely, he needs a little extra motivation. My daughter though, I'm like, slow down, slow down, slow down. You're going to, um, you're going to wear yourself up. And, you know, we rush in our eating, we rush in making purchase decisions we rush about our sleep. A very few people really say, yeah, I get a good solid eight hours a night. We really rush through everything. I've, I've kind of made a joke for a long time just having worked with people through finances and seeing how much people buy on sheer impulse and with very little decision and so forth. Like we really kind of live in a microwave fast food society. And I don't mean that just about food, that that is that that like quick zap everything into existence mentality it is kind of encompasses everything and we're expected to do more in less time that's what all this technology is supposed to do you know and originally the technology was supposed to give us back you know some of that piece i think i that's the the concept that i remember of like look we're freeing up all this time no now we just keep packing it in and packing it in. And, and we're also taught to just strive to consume. I know we kind of talked about it before, like with the money, but people are approached the moment they can obtain a credit card and debt pretty much and bombarded with, you need to consume, 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 don't worry, put it on debt. And what that already does is it starts you out like treading water immediately you don't have a moment to, to be ahead of the game. And now you're already like, I have to keep working my tail off to be able to just pay for what I've already consumed and much less what I'm still need to consume. And that push to consume, consume, consume just keeps us like that gerbil or hamster on a wheel that we're spinning and spinning and spinning. And I, I heard it mentioned that, in the U.S., well, I've heard many times, actually, that the U.S., um, we take some of the least amount of vacation. And yet, 
there are many reports that we are one of the least productive societies. So what does that say about us? Well, I don't think cutting our vacations is doing us any favors. So what does the Bible say about slowing down? Oh, so much. (laughs) So, so much. Um, There are multiple times it tells us to wait in the Lord. You could kind of interpret that multiple times, but I think it's, you know, still having that moment of like, you're looking to God for what's, what to do, what, what step to take next to, rather than having that complete control and just pushing through with your own thoughts and, and letting God basically catch up and fix the mistakes that you made by rushing through, you're pausing and you're waiting on the Lord. So like Isaiah 4, 40, 31, you know, I think a lot of us focus on that part of the verse that talks about that. We, you know, we'll have renewed strength and we will mount up with wings like eagles and we will not be weary and we will walk and not faint and so forth. A lot of us focus on that part, but the very first part of that verse is even more important. And it is that it all starts with waiting for the Lord. That's where it starts. And the rest comes through, just like what we've talked about a million times on the podcast that changed everything. And that really was like the, the spark of this, that started this whole uh, explosion of podcast was really, really grasping the concept of what God was trying to say of seek his kingdom first before all the rest of it, then let the rest of it being at, be added on to, to us. Then there's James 5, 7 through 8, telling us just you were supposed to wait patiently like a farmer waits for fruit. And of course, there's the Martha and Mary story in Luke 10. We've already talked about that before. But just the importance of not being that Martha rushing around getting things done. Now we need to stop and rest at the feet of Jesus and how essential and important that that is and what Jesus tries to tell us that that's life changing. Psalm 37, 7 tells us to be still and wait for the Lord. And don't worry about those that prosper in their own way and, and carry about an evil. So it's telling us like, yep, you're going to see people who prosper by killing it. <laughs> so, but don't worry about that. Um, that doesn't make it better. That doesn't mean that good things aren't coming your way. It isn't what God has intended for us. There is so many verses about being still alone there's Ecclesiastes 3.7. There's another one in Psalm of 46.10. Exodus 14.13 and 14 verse. Psalm 62.5. Zechariah 2.13. Habakkuk 2.20. 1 Samuel 12.16. So and, and that may not be all of them. There, there's a lot. And, and even more so, really read through and listen and, and focus on how Jesus lived because I really feel like, yes, 100% Jesus died, you know, came to earth to save us from our sins, to die, to make a new way to heaven, to redeem us and save us from ourselves. But also, as importantly, I really feel like he also came to teach us how we were intended to live. And if you think about it, God created us, right? So who better than the son of God to come in human form, you know, both both deity and human all combined and go, here is your model 
for what life should be like. This is how I created you to be. And, you know, he, there's many times that he rested, that he would just stop and rest, be still. My goodness, he fell asleep in the middle of a storm, totally freaking out his disciples. They're panicking. They wake him up, you know, he's undisturbed. And he's like, okay, basically, yeah, sure. Be still, you know, cut it out, storm. Okay, now I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> and I, I just love that image of, you know, just that peace. Can you imagine a peace like that and all the storms? And, you know, stopping and, and praying, just going off and being alone. And also stopping for people. You know, there are times like, you know, he didn't hurry when, when Lazarus had died and everybody's like, what is with you? Like, don't you hear me? You know, he's, he's dead. You know, he's like, and he's like, it's, there's no reason to hurry. It's okay. And, and even, you know, stopping for people like Bartimaeus, I believe is how you say his name in Luke 18, 35 through 43, stopping and healing the blind man. Sometimes he would just stop in times that his disciples just didn't understand because they're, hundred percent human, of course. And, and they had a little bit, a, a lot still, even then of that more of a rush. And, and Jesus is like, no, there, there's no reason to rush. And maybe, maybe part of that is because the realization for him, he was more in touch with the fact that life does not end here and now, and also how in touch with he was with what really mattered. And his life was a complete reflection of what really mattered. It certainly wasn't the accumulation of wealth. It wasn't, of course, you know, the stylish clothes or, or any of those things. Those things didn't matter. People mattered. God mattered. Being connected with both God and people mattered. You know, he understood the temporariness of this world and and the non-temporariness, the the eternalness of of heaven. And and his his extreme awareness of that, I think, led him, of course, to be so much more at peace with no matter what was going on. Luke 12, 15 even warns us. And it's very expressive in this verse to watch out and to guard yourself against greed. Guard yourself against greed. You know, really fight it. Um, and that life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. I say that because I know we've already talked about finances, but but really that consuming, that, that hamster wheel of get it, maybe pay for it before you even have the money and keep consuming and go, 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 Be, show yourself successful. All these things really do tie back still to money. A lot of it does. Not all of it. But um, even Proverbs 13.11 warns us to not try to gain wealth hastily, that it's better basically to just gather a little bit by little bit. And I mean, I thought that was actually kind of profound that he, that it's even warning us in a, in a very real applicable way today that we should not be in such a rush to, to, you know, maybe even have the nicest car now and the biggest house now and, and just, just let things go slow rather than 
again, just, it's a choice. It sometimes doesn't feel like a choice, but it is a choice to jump on the hamster wheel. Now, I know there are some people who are on the very opposite end of the spectrum, and maybe you need a little more motivation and you, you need a little bit more hurry, but I'm just not going to focus on that right now. I'm just going to focus on my, my people because I feel like there's a lot of us who are really running the race. Even if you're not always, I'm sure you'll have moments and seasons of life where you're really in the race. And so that is who I'm specifically talking to. And it's just not what God had intended. It steals so much of our peace, so much of our joy. So we're going to go here. Here is how we are physically affected by slowing down. And I like went and like was looking at psychology today, modernwellnessguide.com. Uh, I was looking Berkeley Wellbeing. I watched a TED talk called Slowing Down Go Faster. Slowing Down to Go Faster, sorry. Which I'm not a huge fan of that name, to be honest. <laughs> but um, those are just some of the resources. And, and then some of them I was already aware of. But physically, by slowing down, we lower our cortisol, that fight or flight, even our adrenaline, um, our adrenal glands will calm down. And, and we like slow down that like anxiety. We have better digestion when we slow down, particularly when we're eating. We then of course tend to eat less. And because of that, we tend to weigh less. Um, we have lower blood pressure. We actually have a lower disease risk. We have a higher immunity and a less chance of actually autoimmune. We have more energy. And did you know that stress can even affect glucose regulation? So the lack of stress can, of course, assist in the glucose regulation. And then I think even more importantly, sometimes we focus so much on the physical aspect of things, but I think mentally it's even more essential. Of course, by slowing down, we have less stress. We have better focus. It is highly proven this is so hard for me to accept, but that we really, truly, there's been a lot of studies. We really are not more productive when we multitask. We are less productive. Slow down, do one task at a time. We have better communication when we're slower. Of course, like I talked about, like one night talking slow, talking slower so we understand each other, but listening, you know, like the verse says to be you know, quick to listen and slow to speak and of course, slow to become angry. Um, we are, we have less impulsive buys, which of course is going to help us financially. We have, we actually make better decisions when we slow down, like by far. We have less anxiety. We restore emotional equilibrium. We are often happier and that is actually like apparently there's enough scientific proof that they have seen over and over again that the basically slower we live life kind of the happier we are and i think for the most part that actually makes a lot of sense our memory improves and most importantly which none of these articles really talked about 
And you can see why, because a lot of these articles were all scientific-based, and well, we know where God is tends to be placed when it comes to science. But most importantly, we hear God. I'm not saying you can't hear God when you're really running the race, but it is very difficult. It is very easy for him to be drowned out by busyness. So if you aren't hearing God, that may be one of the first, like, checkpoints you have. How busy am I? And and something else, of just even speeding tickets alone didn't really fit in either of those two categories. But it came up in, like, one of the TED Talks that was a little funny because the guy actually got a speeding ticket on his way to give a speech uh, about time management. <laughs> And even went so far as to ask the police officer to hurry up to write his ticket. Pretty bold. And I mean, I definitely used to be a, a little bit of a fast-paced driver. And uh, I, I still joke a little bit that my husband drives like a papa. But the, the thing I have noticed in general is really you're not getting there faster. You're getting there more stressed out. You have a higher chance of an accident. You have a much higher chance of a speeding ticket. Have you ever been passed by somebody on the road who's just in super in a rush and they just zoom on past you and you're like, man, what, what in the world? And then you end up right beside them at a, at a traffic light. Basically, in my opinion, it saved them zero time. You went the speed limit. They rushed around you. Now you're both sitting at the exact same light at the exact same time. What what is the point? And and that took a lot of growth and wisdom for me. And and now I tend to laugh about somebody who who rushes around me. So, how do we slow down? The where I ended up with this TED talk was so this Berkeley well-being was talking about scientific ways to slow down. And I've kind of added lived a little bit of this and add a little bit to it. But number one is an intentional pause. And that led to that TED talk. It was kind of encompassed in that uh, to uh, th that part of that article on the intentional pause. But some of that is catching yourself needing to take a break from whatever. And I've already told you that's hard for me. I like to finish things, but I'm trying to catch myself and go, well, while maybe the entire house isn't cleaned, I just cleaned the bathroom so I can take a break, if that makes sense. And so, so picking and intentionally choosing pauses as well as taking vacations, sometimes that's still like we're about to take a vacation. It's stressing me a lot out about out a little bit just because of the timing of things partly because I have a lot of new clients, but I am figuring it out and I'm letting it go. The time of my family is precious and we do have to take those breaks. And it took my husband and I a long time. At first we were a little spoiled because he used to work in the oil field and he first worked two weeks on and was home for two weeks. So we felt like we had two weeks little vacation sometimes. It wasn't full two weeks because when he first got home, he would be beyond tired. <laughs> so it, he always had to recoup a little bit. And then maybe a day or so before he went back, you know, he had to kind of gear up for it, get things ready, you know, everything's packed and so forth. But 
so it wouldn't always be the full two weeks, but we still had like a mini vacation. Then it became three weeks on and three weeks off. So still we had that. So that was a huge blessing in our life for a long time and definitely probably helped maintain a bit more balance. But then when, and we were kind of used to that so that we didn't really have to plan vacations. He didn't actually get vacation time with that job because that's just not how the job was built. It was just such a strange thing, but he only worked half the year. So it was fine. And then when he switched jobs, so I went back to work so that, you know, he, we knew he was going to make less money. So I took the part-time job, which ended up being a seven day a week job, um, at the post office. So I had plenty of vacation time. When I left, they paid me out quite a bit. Gosh, like I had a month of sick time and which I'm not ever sick and they don't even pay you out for that. So that was just a loss. Not that I would still probably ever go out sick. But they, um, and then he had vacation time for a good bit. And it was always like he was having to hurry up and burn it because we didn't plan a lot of it. We didn't plan ahead of time to intentionally have the vacations. And so for us trying to coordinate schedules between kids at school, my schedule and his schedule, if we didn't like get way ahead of the game, we, we wouldn't get that time off altogether. And so we just, it just took a while for us to figure it out. And here we are finally like starting to schedule things way out in advance, finally. And, and that took a long time, particularly for my husband. Um, like I said, partly because we were a little bit spoiled because we didn't have to. And, and then we had to. But intentionally, intentionally finding times to pause throughout your day, throughout your life, throughout your year, and so forth. Think about when times are going to be busiest. And that may be the best time to go, I need to intentionally schedule some time here to breathe and relax and so forth. And I have started because I catch myself, the day goes really fast when I'm sitting at my desk doing my work. I mean, I'm my own boss. So the only person who's hard on myself and, and putting more on me is me. But I found, well, and my clients, I guess, but they're really, they're so laid back. They're not putting any of that pressure on me. Anything that is pressure is surely pretty much myself. And so I will catch myself, you know, time just slipping away. So I have started to go, okay, I'm going to take a break here and do this. I finished this. So when I do this, I'm going to stop and go outside for a minute, or I'm going to stop and work out midday. Even though I like working out in the morning, partly because you know, I get it all out of the way, but my husband, his schedule shifted. I know, I think I've talked about that recently. And now that I'm in the phase where I have been working out regularly, it's not as big of a motivational challenge to remember to work out. And it's still a little challenging when I let it slip to the end of the day, but I'm in a much better place now because I've been working out for so long. So now I've kind of moved it so that I make myself stop in the middle of the day a little bit more or at worst, but like I leave work, do that kind of de-stress a bit and then, you know, go be with my family depending on the day, of course. So that's a really big one. Um, number two, finding quiet space. I have a really hard time with this one. I maybe I, I attribute it to the fact that I grew up in a family with five kids and it just seems like there's always been noise around me. So Quiet can be a bit unsettling, but, (laughs) 
you know, I think for me, I think the easiest place to find quiet is outside because that is not unsettling to me, but quiet in the house rattles my nerves a little bit. So maybe going outside, but that is another one that I have on here. So number three, they had meditation. I have prayer and breathing. I think one of the biggest things about meditation is you slow your mind down and you breathe. And that's a really big part of it. I actually have like, they actually put breathing slowly on 13, but then when I was really thinking for number 13, but I was really thinking about it and I thought, well, I, yeah, meditation is fine, but I just think quieting your mind, taking the time to pray and connect with God and breathing deeply is going to have the greatest impact. Number four is to visualize somewhere peaceful. And it's funny because I laughed a little bit when I read that because I had not thought about this in a long time. But at one of the biggest stress moments or seasons in our life, which was when the babies were pregnant, born, and so forth, um, and, and the Katrina time that I've talked about, that super crazy time, oh, and the broken hand, all that right there. I would say a lot of times that I was going to Jamaica in my mind. So my husband and I were made the decision that we were going to escape all the rat race with the weddings and get married in Jamaica. It was the best thing we ever did. It was just he and I, and we spent a week in Jamaica. We spent three days, like basically with our wedding part in Ocho Rios. And then we went to Negril for our quote unquote honeymoon and then we came home and after about a month, we had like a reception party. Really, that's for about everybody else, but it was fun. And it was the best start to our marriage and it's it's been huge, but I would joke that I'm going to Jamaica in my mind. <laughs> and, but it, it really actually was effective um, to, to go to that peaceful place in the midst of stress. So I do encourage you to find that place that you can, can go to in your mind. Number five, it's a really big one. Spend less time on your phone. This one, again, I think it's hard for a lot of people because sometimes we feel like we are de-stressing when we sit on our phone, but you may want to check yourself and ask yourself, how do you really feel at like, okay, after we step away from that phone versus like maybe you spend an hour on the phone, you put it down, check yourself, then how do you feel? Okay, now go spend an hour playing outside with the kids, the dog, whatever, walking, whatever. Then ask yourself, how do you feel then? Which one actually made a bigger impact on your rest? Even if you're actually active, you might be surprised at that. That leads us to number six is go outside. And that's a really really big one, like I said, and I'm bad about it. You know, I'm trying, trying to more and more make myself go outside every day. It's easy actually not to because there's just so much to do inside. And I hate that. That's not really how God intended it. And there's so much of his beauty and nature and things to see outside. We need to get outside. <laughs> and I actually had a doctor, I said something about getting vitamin D outside and she's like, Oh, you know, with the atmosphere, you really don't get that much vitamin D. And I'm like, well, that's demotivating, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I still feel like God wants us to be outside for a, a good portion of the day. So we try to at least spend some evening time outside and honestly having like 
some gardening and chickens and things like that to tend to pushes me and makes me, I've got to make sure that, you know, everybody's got food, everybody's got water, plants have water, collecting eggs, just spending some time outside. It, it makes me have to go do that for me. That's effective. Um, number seven is interesting. And I don't, I can't say I've intentionally done this, but physical contact with the earth. It's funny because I grew up and I swear you could not keep shoes on my feet. My husband, it drives him crazy. He doesn't understand anyone going around barefoot. He did not grow up that way. I don't know. I grew up in the South. He grew up in Washington state. So he thinks it's super odd, but there is a lot of people talking about what they call grounding and just putting your feet on the ground. There's talk about even like the magnetic pull of the earth can supposedly realign things. I don't know. There's a lot to be said about gardening and our contact with the soil actually strengthening our immune system and, and just how the loss of that contact with the earth and the dirt has affected us. It's, it's, it's interesting stuff. If you dive into it, number eight, listening to relaxing music. Sometimes I listen to my kids music and I'm like, I don't know how that you guys consider that distressing. And sometimes I can roll with it. And sometimes I'm like, Nope, gotta change it. But it is amazing what a difference music can make on your mood. It can sometimes energize you can sometimes relax you. You have to be picky about it. I mean, I, I recommend maybe having a playlist for just those different times. Number nine, I wish this one came later in the list, but I'm just reading kind of the list. Practicing savoring was how they said it. And I think that that, is, of course, if a lot of it goes to food, if you've heard a lot of people talk about like really practicing, what does this really taste like? Am I really enjoying this? What flavors am I really tasting? And, and slowing down and really thinking about that. But we can do that with every part of our life and slowing down and being in touch with truly experiencing what is going on right now, being 100% present, tuning into the feelings and thoughts that we're having about what is going on right now around us. Number 10, take time for enjoyable things. Do not fill all your day. And I'm saying like, I'm not talking about like, don't have a day without fun. No, I'm saying every day, find something that brings you some joy and be intentional about it and do some enjoyable things. I would say only doing one thing is kind of sad. <laughs> That's not the life that God intended us to have. So, but, but keep working in more and more enjoyable things. And I mean, I'm just going to say, it is not the decision everyone can make, but I made the decision to find the job that I enjoy. And I do enjoy what I do. I'm not saying it's not hard sometimes and not frustrating sometimes, but I actually really enjoy what I do and helping businesses and, and the things I do. So can you make money and doing something you love? Yeah, you can. Can everybody? I, I think you can if you're intentional enough about it, honestly, but Number 11 is slowing your thoughts and its suggestion is journaling, which there's so much to say about that. I'm not so much on writing down my thoughts. I was actually thinking, I guess in some ways, I mean, I am because I'm writing down my thoughts for the podcast. And in some ways I was thinking, I think the podcast is a little bit like vocal journaling. <laughs> so it did dawn on me that that is something I do, but sometimes 
I get a little anti-writing all of it down. I don't know. But definitely slowing your thoughts. And when you catch your mind racing, to, to go there and don't fight it and don't force it, but just think about what am I thinking? Why am I thinking these things? Am I overwhelmed? Am I overstressed? Work through it. You know, don't, like I said, don't fight it, but work through it basically. And, and again, consider journaling, but also maybe some distractions. Go for a run, go for a cold shower. Those were some of the suggestions. Those were some of the suggestions that I had. Number 12. Um, I, I have mixed thoughts about because they said yoga and there's a lot of reasons to be very weary of yoga and its background. I, in general, if it's practiced correctly, don't have an issue with it. I'd just say tread cautiously because of its more pagan background. But the general idea of stretching, I tend, I think a lot of us, like, I tend to want to like work out and like, nah, stretching, you know, and of course being over the age of 40, it definitely will slap that back out of your mind. But <laughs> if you don't stretch, you will really feel it. I started a workout regimen. Um, it's, uh, I've done beach body workouts for a long time, took a break for a while because I just kept feeling like they were too hard on my body and just recently came back to a new one they have called fire and flow. It for me is absolutely perfect for what I need. And so one day it's fire, but it is not killing it fire. You, you get a little fire in your legs, maybe a little fire in your arms, but, and you do have some good cardio where you get your heart rate up, but I'm not dying. There's definitely different levels that you can do, but and then it's super balanced because you do that one day, the next day you do what they call flow. And so I would say there's a little bit of yoga elements to it, maybe a little bit of Pilates elements. And then you're even kind of incorporating some weights into this and, and, and mobility. And I, in some ways, I'm like, gosh, I, you know, like part of me wants to like, no, every day I'm working out should be like, burn, burn, burn. But Man, I will say that I am a week and a half in and my body feels better than it has in maybe like 20 years. So I will say huge things for stretching and maybe just starting your day of stretching. So then, of course, the next that we are said is breathing slowly. We already talked about that really, so I'm going to skip on. Number 14 is, it says detox stress and I put eliminate. That means like, it's time to say no to some things. You've got to say, say, what needs to go? I need space. I and not like space from everybody necessarily. I know you've heard that. I need space. Like this isn't working out kind of thing. We're not breaking up here. Well, maybe you are. You're breaking up with some activities. You've got to set boundaries. Um, we talk about in our Bible study a lot of times on Tuesday about, you know, when you're saying no to one thing, it means you're saying yes to something else. Could be saying yes to space, saying yes to breathing, saying yes to having time to go outside and and hear God. But whatever it is, take the negative connotation of I hate to say no. Let let that go. You've got to have boundaries because the life of the rat race is not at all what God intended for us. So it's time to start looking at what is bringing so much stress into, and, and I know you can't necessarily, like we were really big on not 
putting something that activity that the kids signed up for, like trying to teach them to be committed to something. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you hate it, okay, but you don't let your team down. You just stick it out for that season and then don't do it again. (laughs) So we we try to teach them to be committed to things like that, to, to stick things up to a certain point, but then understand when it's breakdown. So I'm not saying necessarily you have to quit tomorrow on some of the activities that's killing you, but it's time to start really going, okay, we are not signing up for another activity after this. Like we're going to get through this season and we're going to take a break and we're going to schedule some vacation time and I'm going to take my breaks (laughs) and I'm going to say no to the stuff that, of course, your boss wants to pile more and more on you. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to own my own business was because I would actually basically gain from like my desire to like do more, do more, do more is a little bit innately in me. And if I did that, it was my choice. I was the one that directly benefited from it. I mean, your boss is going to generally pay you for eight hours, regardless of how hard you work. And I think a lot of people have really mastered the art of not working very hard in eight hours. And that used to drive me crazy, but there's just so much to say for pausing and being still and, you know, try to wrap this up. But I did think of one thing I was going to include. I was recently talking to a client and they were still struggling with customers really bullying them. And as being an owner of a business, it's a lot harder to just, sorry, this is all I can do. But I have an extensive customer service background and learned over the years, just really how to handle like just some of the worst of the worst customers. And I was trying to kind of draw back on that because I have great customers now and, and it's really not that big a deal. If it's just not working out, it's not working out. But I, I really have some great customers. I don't have anyone like, I don't deal with the general public. I deal with business owners. That's a big part of it. (laughs) I'm blessed now, but she deals with the general public and, and the, you know, irate people and irrational people and, and people who just want to bully to get their way, even if it's not, you know, even if it's against policies, even if it, it's against a contract, it doesn't matter. They just push and push. And I said some, some techniques that I had used. One, I said, I was trying to, like I said, I was trying to really think like, what is she doing? That's really drawing this out in some of these people. And part of it was not having conviction. And so like I said, one, when you say something like, don't sound like you have any room to waver. This is what my contract says. This is what I can do. And if you have to keep repeating it, you just repeat it. But if you like him and ha and think and ponder, well, um, you're leaving them room, you know, to push their way, but more so, and this one, I'm giving you a big tool here. <laughs> and I had forgot about this tool. And she was like, that's brilliant. You, you say what you have to say, and then you just stop talking. Keeping on talking makes someone think that you're indecisive. You just stop talking. The blank stare is very, very powerful. <laughs> you, you just stop talking. You don't fill the space. And that was a really hard thing for me to learn. But boy, when I did, and the power of, a, of, a, of silence and the pressure even of silence in some ways, it's huge. But she, she said that helped 
tremendously with her and her, she calls her girls, her, her, uh, store employees. They all were like, Oh, okay. Yes. That's what we're going to do. They, they thought it was amazing. And, and it's so simple, but truly the power of pause in, in so many ways is just tremendous. And slowing down is definitely what God has intended, even if that's not what the world says. So I actually decided, I think I'm going to work on a challenge for November. And it's just going to be like a slowdown challenge. And I'm still working through it. But I felt, again, like that tug from God, like this is this is a great thing to share with others. And I've got to work through that. But stay tuned. November, we're going to have like November slowdown, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is, which is perfect before we get to December. I thought about even doing it in December because a lot of us need to slow down in December, but let's just say we're going to prop ourselves for December and hopefully maybe some of those things will carry into December because you will see the impact on your life. I have implemented a lot of things so far. I still have a good ways to go. And like I said, I'm speaking to you as much as to me. I know this one ran a little bit long, but there was so much good <laughs> that I had to share with you. So I hope you have a blessed week and I will be praying for you. See you next time. Hey guys. So this podcast was actually recorded several weeks ago, but I have been mulling over this whole slowdown challenge for quite some time and have decided November 1st, it's got to be it. We've got to have a kickoff and, and do life a little slower in November. So if you're somebody who tends to rush through certain things or multitask or just don't feel like you're being intentional enough, this is going to be a challenge for you. So share it, you know, Hey, it's free and we can all benefit from doing things a little bit differently. That's how we change. So I'm going to try really hard. I know life can get a little crazy sometimes, but sometime during each day in November, I will pop on and post a slow challenge day one, two, et cetera, probably about 10 minutes or less. That's the goal. And share some thoughts about being slow that day so that you can kind of keep thinking and meditating about it. And it will probably, it will probably be unedited and it, it will be what it, what it is, but it's going to be about making some changes, you know, just doing things slower, be having a slow morning routine, having a slow afternoon routine, taking breaks during the day, things that a lot of us are not very good at, but we're going to see what changes that makes in our life. So stay tuned. Thank mm -hmm. you.